The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everyone. So glad that you could join us and so glad that our guest today could join us because we're going to be talking about a topic that affects so many of the things that a lot of us shop for every single week. Um, you know, we go to, whether it's a grocery store or a big box outlet or wherever it is that we go to shop for our consumer goods, things like our detergents and our cleaning products and our appliances and electronics, and sometimes uh, it can be very, very disheartening to try and do the research necessary to make eco-friendly purchases. And I know that a lot of our listeners are green mommy bloggers. They're the ones that are making up about 80% of the consumers who are actually purchasing consumer goods. And we're trying to do our best. We want to purchase things that are in line with the values that we have uh, and the vision that we have for our children's future. And yet... Uh, there is uh, a lot of confusion out there about what actually constitutes a green product. But today we're going to be talking with the good people from the Good Housekeeping Research Institute and a couple of representatives from product lines who have actually received uh, a fairly new award from Good Housekeeping, and that is the Green Good Housekeeping Seal. Many of us have trusted the Good Housekeeping Seal for products that we've purchased as long as we can remember. Our mothers did, our grandmothers did, and now Good Housekeeping has a green seal that will help today's 21st century consumers uh, have the same trust that they've evaluated the products and giving, the, and giving them a green seal of approval um, as we've depended on for their typical Good Housekeeping seal. So today we're going to be talking with Stacy Genovese. She's the Technical and Engineering Director at the Good Housekeeping Research Institute. We're going to be talking to a representative from Procter & Gamble. Their Pampers Cruisers have just won the green Good Housekeeping Seal. And we'll be talking with Skylar Stevenson, who is a representative from uh, Mila. And they make a number of different appliances, but their uh, S5 and S6 series vacuums have just received the Green Good Housekeeping Seal. So welcome to you all. Thanks for being with us. Stacy. we're going to start with you because you are actually with the Good Housekeeping uh, Research Institute. And I'd like to just start by asking you a really basic question. Why did the Good Housekeeping Research Institute develop the green version of your seal? What did you find that was particularly lacking in some of the existing green labeling that you felt like maybe customers could find in a green Good Housekeeping seal? You know, to really look at why we developed the green Good Housekeeping seal, you, you have to look at the history of Good Housekeeping and the primary Good Housekeeping seal. And the primary Good Housekeeping seal was launched in 1909 which was before there was an FDA, before there was an FTC, um, before there was a Pure Food and Drug Act. 
And consumers didn't know what to trust. They didn't know what to buy that was um, safe and healthy for them and their families. Mm-hmm. So enter the um, Good Housekeeping Seal, where we started doing testing on different products, mostly food products back then. And we started um, running in the pages of the magazine every month the uh, honor roll of pure foods. And um, people um, started to trust us and started to know that if they bought a product that we mentioned that we had trusted, they could it was safe, they could trust it to give to their families. Um, fast forward 100 years to 2009, and consumers are almost faced with those same confusing decisions that you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. when it comes to green claims. You know, um, like you said, our readers, um, and I think consumers in general, want to do the right thing. You know, they want to take steps, however small, to start with, to live a greener life. And um, they don't have the time to do all the research. So we really were building off the trust of the regular Good Housekeeping Seal, and uh, we're trying to help um, consumers make the same kind of decisions today when it comes to products um, in the green area that we did 100 years ago. And um, like I said, we're building off of that trust, and people see it, and they know, okay, Good Housekeeping is behind this. Good Housekeeping has researched this product, and I know that I can buy this product and feel good about it and feel good about using it around uh, my family and in my home. Well, you know, you have several different categories of uh, different types of products that you evaluate, and we'll be talking about some of those different categories in a moment. But recently, I did some training for some schools in Illinois that were trying to comply with the Illinois Green Cleaning Act, and um, they were being told and actually this is part of the Illinois legislation, that they needed to be choosing cleaning products that complied with either the Green Seal uh, accreditation or EcoLogo. Mm-hmm. Talk about the difference or maybe the similarities between your chemical criteria uh, for cleaning solutions and those two third-party certifications. Sure, sure. Um, you know, all three of us have what we call multi-attribute certifications or um, applications, meaning we look at many of the things that go into the life cycle of a product. We don't look at just, um, say, use of recycled content. We look at everything over the whole life cycle. So in that way, we're very similar to those other two um, certifications. But one thing that makes us different is that we're actually a point-based system. What that means is um, we ask many different questions, and for and the questions are all weighted differently, so each one is worth a different number of points. And a product needs to earn a certain number of points in order to earn the Green Good Housekeeping Seal. Mm-hmm. Eagle Logo and Green Seal are both more like a standard, meaning that in the environmental issues that they look at, the products need to meet a minimum in each issue. And the reason we didn't go down that route and we went to a point-based system instead is because we want to acknowledge companies and encourage companies um, to take steps and not just reward the ones that are already there. So if you have a company that's taking steps in maybe two or three different areas, they probably aren't going to earn the minimum number of points needed for the Green Good Housekeeping Seal. But if they're doing it in in many areas and just not maybe not all of them, they Mm -hmm. probably could meet the minimum number. Mm-hmm. So we want to encourage companies to take those steps and, and to move along that process. And then in the years when it comes up again and they reapply again and they are getting more and more points, they're even doing better. Mm-hmm. Um, but so one of the big differences is, is um, our point system versus their um, standard type certification. Right, 
Right. Now, uh, Skylar, you, uh, your company is an international company. Um, and so, you know, presumably when someone purchases some of your products, you know, it's going to be coming from a different part of the world. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But your company was specifically noted for having a very eco-conscious distribution system. And I'm wondering what it is about your distribution system um, that is so green. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Well, it's it's really interesting because Mila has been, you know, we've been making vacuum cleaners since 1927. And wow. so for such a long history for us, I mean, the S6 and the S5, which have been, which have both uh, earned the greenhouse, good housekeeping seal, have both, um, are both sourced and produced in Germany. And so oftentimes, you know, it's coming all the way over to the United States. And so when our when our products are actually manufactured in Germany, we have a central distribution strategy and a central storage concept that we use. So when we source materials from different suppliers, we ensure that they're very close to the factory themselves. So there's mm-hmm. not a huge carbon footprint that's being created when those supplies are getting to uh, the manufacturing facility. Another kind of, um, a kind of an interesting story is when we were looking Throughout our strategy, we were actually examining all the different shipments that were incoming to the factory. We realized that there was sometime a lot of wasted effort because one piece would come from one area and another piece would come from another. And so we've actually adopted a strategy where we bundle all the shipments together before they're sent to the factory. And Very so we were smart. actually able to accomplish going from around 10,000 uh, separate annual shipments to around 2,700 a year. So it's it's just kind of looking at all those different concepts together to really reduce dramatically reduce our carbon footprint to ensure that we this distribution strategy that we're not going to cause the problem that our vacuums are actually trying to solve in terms of indoor air quality. That's fantastic. Very smart. And are you working with other companies to share best practices because there's so many uh multinational companies now. I mean the the globe is one big, you know, bazaar, one big, you know, market space. Um, do you work with other companies to, you know, talk about these best practices? We do, we do. We've actually, in terms of our certification systems, you know, we're a partner with. Uh, obviously, we've received uh, the ISO fourteen thousand and one standard for all of our factories in Germany, and that really looks specifically at the environmental. Um, concepts and the way that we're approaching the kind of the environment in terms of both employees and manufacturing practices. And so oftentimes that really is sharing of best practices amongst other manufacturers. And specifically with the German heritage, we have to forget, we have to remember specifically that the United States in terms has in a long way has adopted many of the strategies which have originally been developed in Germany and, and throughout the European Union. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times the strategies that we've been working on or have participated over many years are slowly coming to the United States, uh, sometimes uh, in a different manner, but a lot of those strategies have already been developed. And so for mm-hmm. us, it's just really about celebrating these thoughts, but also being very conscientious of the reason why we're doing them. And it's really about the end product and the overall um, quality of that product to you know, pass along to the user. 
Sure, sure. No sense in reinventing the wheel when it comes to uh, those types of best practices. Stacey, I, while we're on the appliance standards, I was really interested in one particular criteria that you look at, and that is that the appliances are evaluated for smart grid compatibility. And I was just curious as to how you evaluate appliances against that standard. Well, for right now, um, it, you know, smart grid is definitely something that is on consumers' minds. They're starting, mm-hmm. starting to see it in the marketplace. They're going shopping for appliances and they're seeing it. They're doing some digging into what it means. Um, you know, electric companies are starting to offer this in different areas around the country. So it's something right now that we just ask a simple yes, no question on. Are you smart grid compatible or aren't you? Because it's something we wanted to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of our point-based system, the appliances either get points for that or they don't. Um, and, but it's something that when we um, revamp the applications, if you will, every every couple of years, that we'll probably develop more because I think it's something that is important um, to to consumers in general. What do you think that will look like in terms of smart grid capability? What what features would an appliance have that would make it compatible with the smart grid? Well, smart grid compatibility really means that it's just um, talking back and forth, say, either with your meter or with the um, the energy company. So I know in some regions they have um, – you can program your appliances to only work when the demand is low. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, set it so that your washing machine runs at night or your dishwasher is probably a better example to run um, during off-peak hours so that the drain on the system um, – isn't so much, and mm-hmm. it, it reduces that. Um, you know, certain appliances that it, it um, makes sense for, like dishwashers. Others, it really doesn't. Um, you know, a vacuum you're going to use when you use it, not something that the, um, the the appliance can actually build into its technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but even for a refrigerator that's running all the time, obviously it's not going to run only when the, the demands are low, but it maybe it will run a defrost cycle when mm-hmm. the demands are low and it needs more energy. So we'll be looking at things like that. Excellent. Excellent. That's that's terrific. Well, we've got to take a quick, quick commercial break, so don't go away, folks. There's much more with the green Good Housekeeping seal right after this commercial break. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could join us if you're just tuning in. We're talking with Stacy Genovese, the Technical and Engineering Director at the Good Housekeeping Research Institute, and Skylar Stevenson, who's a representative from the company Mila. They create all kinds of wonderful appliances. We're specifically talking about their vacuum cleaners that were uh, awarded the Green Good Housekeeping Seal just recently. And Skylar, one of the things that I noted in the write-up about your award with the S5 and S6 series of your vacuums is that you scored particularly highly in your uh, CSR or corporate social responsibility segment. And I'd love for you to give us some highlights of some of your corporate social responsibility programs and accomplishments. Well, I think for a lot of times consumers are often wondering how, you know, from a corporate standpoint, for us, there's obviously numerous benefits for us to kind of comply with different standards, but the consumer is really wondering, you know, how this is affecting them. And for us, there's really three main areas of focus, which we've focused for corporate responsibility. We've adhered to two predominantly well-known standards internationally, ISO 14001, which is just kind of really focusing on a holistic approach for a company's environmental policy, kind of by looking through the environmental checklist and making sure that, you know, we as a company are kind of doing the correct practices. But then there's also another one, which is ISO 9001, and that's really the quality management. I mean, as I kind of went back earlier, Meal has been manufacturing vacuum cleaners since 1927, and each one of our products have been tested to last 20 years. And that's a really uh, a very much a strong commitment that we have to our consumers and really something that they're going to see. Mm-hmm. When they own this vacuum, when they clean all different types of surfaces and areas and all sorts of conditions all over the world, we want to make sure that when they invest in a Mila vacuum, that they're not only going to get the best results for the areas they're cleaning, but it's going to last. Right. And for us, that's tremendous, especially when we talk about the disposability of products mm-hmm. where we just don't want, we don't believe in a consumer having to purchase a new vacuum cleaner every other year. 
it's well, it, you know, that's the essence of sustainability, isn't it? Correct. I mean, um, something that sustains. <laughs> you, you, yes, absolutely, and that's what we want to make sure we do. But we're also going to look at it from a from a social accountability standpoint, where we say, well, what's the human impact mm-hmm. of a vacuum cleaner? And oftentimes that's over overlooked, and we actually have voluntarily uh, complied and have become a very strong member with uh, the SA8000 uh, certification, which is by uh, a Social Accountability International. And that looks at all the different aspects of the fair treatment of employees, wages, uh, the types of employees that are participating. And so when that vacuum does arrive, you know that, one, it's going to last, but, two, the methods that were involved in manufacturing that completely met up with the best standards that, that uh, are kind of available on the market today. And now that you've earned the green good housekeeping seal, we know that it's also eco-friendly. Correct. So you've, Correct. you've kind of and got the trifecta of uh, <laughs> a great product. <laughs> well, we feel very fortunate to have received the seal because it really is, is kind of confirmation of all those different philosophies and different ideals that we espouse when we talk about what we want to deliver to the marketplace and what we want to make sure that you know, the American homeowner is, is being able to experience. Well, that's fantastic, and I uh, love to hear that out of companies, that companies care about that kind of thing. Sometimes we feel like companies only care about the bottom line, and it's refreshing to hear uh, from companies that really do care about that triple bottom line. Stacy, um, a few weeks ago, I did a show about chemicals in food and beverage packaging that produce estrogenic activity, or EA. And our guests mentioned to us that BPA, though we're seeing a lot of companies market their uh, plastic containers as as BPA free. That actually BPA is only one of numerous chemicals that produce estrogenic activity. One of the things that my guests also mentioned during that episode was that plastic food and beverage containers are protected by patents. So there's really no requirement to let consumers know what chemicals are in them. And I said, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, you could buy a, a package of cookies that come in a plastic container, and they're required to let you know if there are any ingredients in the cookies that might uh, be harmful to consumers with allergies, food allergies. But there's nothing to let us know if the plastic container the cookies come from might cause estrogenic activity in our children. And so I'm wondering, when you evaluate food and beverages for the Green Good Housekeeping Seal, are you privy to the chemical ingredients in the packaging? So if consumers are concerned about purchasing food or beverages that come in plastic or canned packaging because they're worried about BPA and estrogenic activity, would they be safe from that if they chose products that had your seal? When we're yeah, So, yes, we do get the um, ingredients that companies use in their packaging. Great. By way of some of the questions that we ask, we ask for the sources of the raw ingredients used, the types of raw ingredients used, and... Um, very often we get the exact list of chemicals that are um, included in the packaging. We keep all that information confidential. Um, that's not something that, you know, we would share when a company earns the Green Good Housekeeping Seal. Right. And um, there are actually exclusions, what we call exclusions to um, earning the Green Good Housekeeping Seal, meaning mm-hmm. if um, no matter how many points you get, if you do certain things or have certain raw materials in your product, um, you can't earn the Green Good Housekeeping seal. And one of those exclusions is the use of um, phthalates, BPA, heavy metals, and other certain chemicals in the packaging 
of um, all products, you know, in the food and beverage category as well, but we actually have that exclusion um, in other product categories as well. And the details of all of those um, chemicals that we exclude um, are on our website. Yes, they sure are. And I, I felt like that was just such a tremendous um, way for consumers to get a really good outline. If they if they happen to hear from their pediatrician or their doctor or uh, an activist organization that they're part of, that there are certain things that we should avoid purchasing, you've listed everything on your website. There's a, a criteria for each and every category that you're measuring, whether it's appliances, food and beverage, cleaning solutions, etc., that, that show exactly what chemicals or what procedures or processes would automatically exclude a product from getting the seal, um, no matter what they were doing to save energy, et cetera. And I love yes. that. How we did actually, you come about, um, you know, that list? How, how did that list become developed? Well, um, we, we worked with environmental consultants developing the Green Catastrophe Seal, Brown and Women's Environmental. And, um, we, developed it, you know, in conjunction with them based on the issues that they see um, surrounding certain product categories. Um, but we also did research with our readers and with consumers in general as to what's important to them. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for instance, in the um, beauty category, a product can't be, um, have been tested on animals in the past five years in order to get the green good housekeeping seal. And that's something that we heard from our readers loud and clear that was important to them. Um, so it was included on the exclusion list. So it's um, a combination of the research that we did um, and just the issues in general um, in the environmental world as the things that are people tr- that companies are trying to stay away from. Mm-hmm. Um, we also used um, that information not just on the exclusions, but also on the individual question weighting, which is also on our website. You know, transparency is very important to us. And mm-hmm. we want to put as much information on our website as possible. So if you go to any of the product category criteria, not only does it list the exclusions and every question that you're asked, but it also tells you how many points each environmental issue um, can give a company that it's applying. So you can see... Um, if something is really important to you, how many points we give it out of a hundred? Mm-hmm. It's it's very transparent, and I think that's why again consumers have always trusted. I mean, for 125 years, um, consumers have trusted Good Housekeeping for for a variety of reasons. But the transparency and the consumer advocacy. Um, I just think this is terrific. I think I'm so glad to see that you've entered the green space in the way that you have. Um, and it, it's so um, scientific. Uh, it's, it's really phenomenal. Thank you. Um, uh, Skylar, I read about your earth and your uh, Terrence, um, terrace vacuums, that they have an auto-eco mode that automatically adjusts the suction based on the type of floor, and that can actually result in lower electricity usage. Give us some idea about how that works and uh, how much maybe electricity that would save and any other energy-saving features on the Mila product lines. Well, this is actually one of my uh, favorite features on the vacuum cleaner. And actually, just to go back to the point that was made, I think that's really why we, as Mila, was so excited about uh, the Green Good Housekeeping Seal was obviously its transparency, and mm-hmm. that was something that was so important to us to pass along to the consumers because we feel that if we're transparent, then obviously 
then that, the customers are going to be able to see that and certainly going to be able to take advantage of that in their purchasing decision. And really, with their purchasing power, make a difference and hopefully send a signal to other manufacturers that these are the practices which they, that they're going to pay for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but with the, you know, with the Mila S5, uh, there's what we call the auto eco feature, as you had mentioned. And just to kind of give you an example of this, of how that would be implemented, if I were, for example, if I were to take a, a small piece of paper and curl it up in a very tight ball within my hand and I were to put it in the palm of my hand and I were to turn on a vacuum cleaner and use the hose and press it directly against my palm in a kind of a cupping fashion mm-hmm. and I were to turn on the vacuum cleaner at full power and then turn it off again and keep it there, that ball would have not been sucked up into the vacuum. And you go, well, why is that the case? Well, we've actually created a vacuum, and the power is so strong that there is no vacuum that's being created. And oftentimes, that's what's happening when consumers are actually cleaning their carpets, and they're actually using too much power. Mm. And so what the auto-eco function does is you can take a very thick, dense carpet, for example, and it will actually identify the amount of airflow. And in this scenario, it would actually reduce the power of the vacuum cleaner, which would allow you to have exceptional cleaning results, but also actually to lift up all the debris and all those things that are contained within the carpets. Consumers normally wouldn't know to do that because they're just assuming that high power equals ultimate cleaning. Right. And in often cases, that's the exact opposite. High power can actually lead to less cleaning in your home and less things being pulled out of your carpets or other surfaces. Interesting. And so with the auto eco feature, it kind of takes that guesswork out of it. Now, That's our other terrific. vacuums have manual process, uh-huh. but in this vacuum, it, it, does, it does the thinking for you. Oh, I like that. I don't want to think when I'm vacuuming. <laughs> That's terrific. Well, we've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we'll have much, much more with Skylar and with Stacy. so don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. If you happen to just be tuning in, today's show is all about the Green Good Housekeeping Seal. And we have Stacy Genovese, the Technical and Engineering Director uh, for the Good Housekeeping Research Institute. We also have Skylar Stevenson, who's a representative of Mila. Uh, they're a German company that create a, a wide variety of, of wonderful appliances for the home. In particular, as I've mentioned in previous segments, their S5 and S6 series vacuums have just earned the Green Good Housekeeping Seal. We've been talking about some of the best practices uh, that they have, um, and I, I am really excited to have them on. You know, Stacey, there was something that really piqued my interest. I read through all of the criteria for each of the categories under which a product can earn the green good housekeeping seal. And as I was reading the food and beverage section, I noticed that one of the exclusions is GMOs, genetically modified organisms. You won't uh, award the green good housekeeping seal to food and beverages that include GMOs. And I feel like that was a really bold move. Talk to us about good housekeeping's decision to make that an exclusion and how your standards on GMOs compare to, say, the FDA or the USDA standards. Sure. So we've certainly seen statements from the FDA that in a number of cases, um, GMO-based products are equivalent to non-GMO products. And while that might be true, when we were thinking about um, the Green Good Housekeeping Seal, we think that there are issues around GMOs that haven't been resolved yet. Mm-hmm. These like. aren't necessarily safety-based issues, um, but they could be uh, environmentally-based issues with GMO technology that we thought was important enough to address and cause it to be um, an exclusion in this category. You know, in particular, we're concerned with... Um, Farmers who choose to grow non-GMO crops and their crops being contaminated by neighboring GMO seeds. Mm-hmm. And we see a potential environmental issue here with resistance to pests growing, with um, the potential for super weeds to occur. And, you know, from the Green Good Housekeeping Seal point of view, we want to maintain as best as possible the possibility for all types of farmers to grow their crops without the issues that GMOs may cause. Mm-hmm. So we thought it was um, important enough to address. We know that um, there are, like I said, issues like the ones I outlined around this. And there's also concern, again, from our readers um, just about the issues that might not have been addressed yet with this mm-hmm. area. Well, you know, it's funny. I I had a chance to talk with um, one of the European Union um, ambassadors to China on one of my recent trips to China, and we talked. We were on a bus trip. We were taking a tour, sightseeing for one of the days that we were over there um, for an Earth Day summit earlier this year, and we got on the subject of GMOs. And Europeans have some very strong opinions against allowing GMO crops. Um, you know, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But they have received a lot of pressure from big companies that create GMOs like Monsanto, DuPont. It makes it very uncomfortable to resist these companies. Have you gotten any flack from those companies? 
Um, you know, we haven't, which, you know, we, we haven't, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. And not that it really would have affected our, our thinking and including it because we think it's important enough to include, but we really haven't gotten any pushback. Really? Well, that's good. I hope uh, that doesn't happen so you can uh, continue doing what you're doing. Um, I, I want to bring on another guest that we have. Um, her name is Lauren. She's a representative of Procter & Gamble, one of their scientists who works in um, the division that deals with some baby products like diapers and wipes and things like that. Um, she's been working for nearly two decades on uh, things that are good for baby skin. She works with dermatologists, pediatricians to develop Procter & Gamble products. And it just so happens that uh, their Pampers Cruisers have just received the Green Good Housekeeping Seal. And Lauren, I'm really glad to have you on the show as well. Yes, I'm very excited to be here. Well, I saw that one of the evaluation criteria that, that you had really excelled in um, was the fact that your products were uh, low in toxicity and high in safety. Talk to us about what you do to ensure that your Pampers Cruisers are really safe for children and that moms can entrust their baby's little bottoms to your product. Well, safety and sustainability has been a long part of Procter & Gamble's heritage. Um, We had our first environmental safety publication done in 1956, and we have done a lot in this area. We've had organizations and specific toxicologists who do both environmental and human safety work since the beginning of the company. Um, We really pioneered a lot of this work for other corporations as well. So it is just part of our DNA, if you will, to make sure the products are safe and efficacious for both the, the mom, the baby, and the environment. Well, you know, one of your competitors, and I won't mention their name, but um, they've kind of taken a, a shot in the eye from uh, some very public criticism about their uh, baby shampoo and particularly about some possible carcinogens uh, that would be uh, in that product, and it's been kind of tough for them lately. How do you see Procter & Gamble positioning your efforts to create uh, toxic-free and very safe products as a competitive edge? Well, I mean, I think it's just been a longstanding um, part of our purposes and our value system to assure our products are safe and efficacious. It it is something we do. I don't don't think we'll ever make it something um, that it should... It's something we do. It's never going to be something that we're going to say um, is better or worse than other companies because it, we just believe that um, all our products should be safe and efficacious so that it shouldn't be a point of difference. It should be what the consumer expects. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, Skylar, I noticed that uh, Mila's vacuums that got the seal, the uh, S5 and S6 series vacuums, were also rated very highly by the Good Housekeeping Research Institute on uh, low toxicity and high product safety. Talk to us about some of the features that uh, helped you score so highly in that area. Well, I think when obviously the reason why a consumer ends up going to purchase a vacuum cleaner is they obviously notice that there's things that need to be cleaned within the home. And one of the worst things that could ever happen is you bring home a vacuum that actually ends up emitting more things into the air than you're actually <laughs> able to to clean up. Right. Um, but that actually happens. And that's obviously a, a very big concern for us. And when you look at indoor air quality, I mean, the Environmental Protection Agency really rated indoor air quality as a serious issue. Yes. It needed to be uh, both looked at but also be able to be top of mind from the consumer. 
And so when we actually developed the uh, S5 and the S6 series, we developed it so anything that comes through the bag actually stays there. Mm -hmm. And that's not an industry practice, and that's completely different. So we actually refer to it as a sealed system, and that Mm -hmm. means no matter what you clean up, 99.99% with an with a HEPA filter actually is contained within the bag. And we like to say it's in the bag because it's for a reason. It should stay there. Right. But more importantly, the air you breathe after you clean up should be purer than the air that you started off with. And in all cases, both in the S6 and the S5, the air that you breathe is actually cleaner from the emissions of a meal of vacuum than you're currently breathing in an average household uh, environment. And so for the customer and for the end consumer, that is very important because everything that you're cleaning up and the toxicity and all those horrible things that can be contained within a home Mm -hmm. actually stay in the bag. And and when they're properly disposed of, they're removed from the home environment without polluting a dwelling of the household. Well, and that is so important. I think more and more people are beginning to understand, uh, maybe they don't know the terminology sick building syndrome, which is how the EPA describes it, but they understand that our indoor air quality can sometimes be uh, more toxic than even our outdoor air quality. And we see all kinds of efforts to reduce our outdoor air pollution. But in fact, our indoor air pollution can be far more toxic, especially to children and the elderly who may already be predisposed to respiratory problems. So that's a big, big plus. Stacey, I want to ask you a little bit more in depth about some of the criteria that you have in the Green Good Housekeeping Seal. You know, as I said, I read through all the standards, and I can understand why you would want to verify OSHA reports about employee safety and things like that under the corporate social responsibility portion. But you make a handful of nonprofit organizations um, sort of prominent in that segment as well, like LEAD from the U.S. Green Building Council, Green Global, and the Global Reporting Initiative. And it sounds kind of like Good Housekeeping either endorses those nonprofits or is pushing companies to work with those nonprofits. Why is that so? Um, Well, for those questions where we reference nonprofits, we do think very highly of them, which is why we're referencing them. Mm -hmm. Um, And we want to give companies that are working with them credit, but it's actually not required. Um, If, for example, on the question about do you have any um, buildings that have been LEED or Green Globe certified, we're really giving those as examples. And there's a Mm -hmm. whole section at the end of the application where companies can explain different organizations that they've used, different standards that they've used to get to the same end goal. So if there's a different building criteria for a green building that they've used, they can outline that at the end of the application um, and get the same number of points that they would if they were able to answer yes to the to the lead question, if you will. Mm-hmm. So um, we're really, like I said, using them more as examples to get them thinking along what we're trying to get at with that question, but we're not requiring applicants to use any particular standard or certification or even um, test method when it comes to toxicology. We ask for certain toxicology um, test results Mm -hmm. will reference a certain test method, but they don't have to use that one. If they use one that they've developed in-house that gets at the same results, um, they can just outline that for us and get the same number of points. 
Gotcha. Okay. Well, thanks, Stacy. Now, folks, if you just happen to have joined us a bit late and you'd like to hear the beginning of this uh, episode all over again, don't worry because we're going to be replayed on the Green Living Channel for Voice America next Tuesday between 9 and 10 a.m. Pacific, noon to 1 on the East Coast. So uh, if you're tuning in late, don't worry. You can hear it again then. Or if you've heard us the entire episode and you'd like to make sure that your friends and your colleagues get a chance to listen to the entire episode, that would be another opportunity for them to tune in. Again, if you go to voiceamerica.com, click on the Green Living Channel uh, button, you can listen to this episode all over again next Tuesday, 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific. Well, folks, we've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, much more about the green good housekeeping seal. Don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We are talking about the green good housekeeping seal, how it's earned, and it's a rigorous process. And we're talking also to a couple of companies that have products that were recently awarded the green good housekeeping seal. We'll start off with Lauren from Procter & Gamble. Their Pampers Cruisers line has just gotten the green good housekeeping seal. And uh, I have to say, Lauren, now my, my youngest is turning 13, so it's been a while, but all three of my kids were we're Pampers babies, so um, I, I'm glad to see that you guys are right up in there uh, earning that green seal. One of the things that I found interesting about the write-up on how you earned the Green Good Housekeeping Seal was that as a company, Procter & Gamble is tracking its carbon footprint, not just as a company, but also by product line, and I was curious to know how you were doing that for the Pampers Cruiser line. You know, we have track all our carbon footprint through life cycle analysis, which evaluates the entire energy, waste, water, and carbon usage through the, from all the way from raw material ingredients through manufacturing, transportation, and then in-home uses till disposal. And so we have decided that it's not about a point in time or one particular element of the product, but the whole product has to 
you know, go in the right direction from an environmental um, sustainability point of view. It would be bad to fix one thing and make the other thing worse. And so we're really excited about doing this kind of work. We recently just um, published our most recent life cycle analysis for for this particular product. Um, and, you know, we're trying to be transparent and open on 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 what we're doing. So you can look in the International Journal of Life Cycle Assessment to see the latest work. I think that's fantastic. I know uh, when I was changing diapers, I would have been more about methane emissions than carbon emissions. <laughs> that was the mis- no most miserable part of it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think I think that's really uh, fantastic that you guys are doing that. A lot of companies are still, you know, a little bit squishy, a little wishy washy about whether or not they'll be tracking their carbon footprint, how to do it, uh, kind of dragging their feet. And I think it's fantastic that a company as well respected and and is um, you know so much a part of every household in America, like Procter and Gamble, is doing that. Um, Skyler, I wanted to ask you about Mila. You know, you're a German company, international in scope. Why was it important for you to seek the Green Good Housekeeping Seal? I mean, you have to apply for it. What did you think would be so important to your target audience that that you sought out their seal? Well, I think everybody that's on this call and has been uh, has been earned uh, and received the Green Housekeep Good Housekeeping Seal is really concerned obviously with the consumer is they're really looking at it from both sustainable practices as a company but specifically in terms of what we can offer the consumer that's really going to benefit them greatly for Mila it's always been a concern with the home environment we really look at the home environment holistically and we really try to obviously offer a product that both addresses the needs of that environment and also specifically addresses the need of why the consumer purchased the product in the first place and like I had mentioned earlier, the reason why a consumer would go out and buy a vacuum cleaner is obviously to improve and clean and to get into a safe and healthy home environment that it was not before. And so for us, when you look at all the different, um, the different backgrounds from you know, how the product's used, how the product is manufactured, how the product is going to be safely disposed, all those things really need to be addressed to make sure that the consumer is both getting the best product, but also that we're going to improve the lives of the consumer with use of that product. And that's for us is, is something paramount because we want you to enjoy the vacuum for 20 years and every meal of vacuum is tested the last 20 years. And that's a big promise, but we want to make sure that throughout that entire process, it actually does what it's supposed to do. And for and that's us, all awesome, Skylar, but I have to ask. I mean, companies aren't in business just to improve the lives altruistically of their customers. You need to sell things in order to stay in existence. Do you think that having the green good housekeeping seal will help you sell more? We do. We absolutely do. And I think that these are qualities, as I mentioned before. It's, it's Again, you know, this is a for-profit company, and we think that our today's consumer is looking towards uh, the principles that are espoused in the seal as methods that they value greatly and also very highly for using their purchasing power. And so for us, we think that if we continue to withhold these principles that we espouse, that our consumers will find great value in that and are willing to pay the extra money that is involved in purchasing those products. Mm-hmm. Lauren, for you, you know, Pampers is competing with other companies in the diaper market 
you know, share. Um, how do you think the Green Good Housekeeping Seal will help you sell more Pampers and uh, compete even more in your market space? For us, um, well, I mean, good, we highly value Green Good Housekeeping. We really value Good Housekeeping as an organization and a company. We really value and respect the diligence and the rigor of the science they do, which is why we were excited to participate um, in the application process and valued the work, you know, and valued the outcome. Um, but it really wasn't about um, a sales or a marketing opportunity for us. It was really about um, reassuring to us that we were on the right journey, on the right path, and reassuring to our internal uh, employees that we were doing good work. And so we were just excited to celebrate earning the seal um, more, more from a reassurance to us that the work we're doing is 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 correct and um, effective. That's a great answer. I like that, Stacy. I want to talk to you a little bit more about comparing your standards to another set of standards. When Walmart first brought together a whole bunch of consumer brands um, in the Sustainability Consortium, I was a big fan of that, and I thought, oh yes, this is going to mean that I can go into. Walmart and any other store where these same suppliers of, of consumer goods are stocking the shelves. And this sustainability consortium is going to lead to consumer labels, much like nutrition labels, that will allow me to compare different products in terms of their sustainability or eco-friendliness. And that hasn't happened yet. It may, but I kind of feel like you guys have gotten out in front of that process and laid down some solid scientific standards, almost like the, the tail that wags the dog that could move this all of this talk, all of this consensus building that's going on in the sustainability consortium towards actionable items to get some kind of trustworthy consumer labeling going. How do you feel like your work at the Good Housekeeping Research Institute compares or contrasts with the or or complements or not the sustainability consortium's work. Well, you know when um, well Walmart was the initiator. The sustainability consortium is now a standalone entity with Walmart mm-hmm. as its active member as an active member, and they're not really trying to come up with an eco label, but more of a common framework to um, evaluate the sustainability characteristics of a product, if you will. And in that sense, it is similar to what we're doing. And we do look towards their work to see what they're doing when we're building the next um, set of um, questions for the next application. And we hope they're looking to us as well. But, um, you know, us trying to move the marketplace is actually one of the goals of the Greenville Housekeeping Seal. And like I said earlier, one of the reasons why we went to a point-based system is that we want to encourage companies to move in the right direction because, you know, the Good Housekeeping Seal and the Greenville Housekeeping Seal um, has a lot of people. We reach a lot of people with our emblems. I mean, we have 25 million readers a month of our magazine. Um, that's a lot of people... <laughs> It's one in every five women and one in every four moms um, read mm-hmm. Good Housekeeping and trust Good Housekeeping. And they see the um, the Good Housekeeping seal and they trust it. And so with the Green Good Housekeeping seal, we are hoping to get companies to move the needle in the right direction and to, um, like I said, get points in certain areas and then we give them feedback if they're not there yet and push them to say, okay, we have to make a little bit more improvement here, a little bit more improvement there, to get them going in the right direction. And that is one of the goals of our of our SEAL. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I, I, I felt like that was probably going to be the answer, but I just wanted to kind of verify that. Now, let me ask you this. If a company earns the Green Good Housekeeping SEAL, is that forever? Or do you 
constantly or some in some way habitually check back in with them to make sure that they're maintaining the standards that help them earn it to begin with? So when a product, the way it works, I'm just give you some background, um, is, you know, the good housekeeping seal and the green housekeeping seal are two-year warranties, which uh-huh. a lot of people don't realize. So if you buy a product with either, with either seal and it becomes defective in two years, we will refund your money. So mm-hmm. the way it works is you start off um, applying for the um, primary good housekeeping seal, and then you apply for the green good housekeeping seal. And both of those applications comes up on a yearly basis for renewal. So um, if nothing has changed, you're made in the same facility, your, you know, water usage hasn't gone up or gone down, it's a simple renewal. But if you've changed manufacturing facilities, if you've changed your packaging, if you've changed your distribution methods, you would then have to reapply um, for the seals to make sure that you still maintain the uh, minimum number of points needed to carry the green emblem. Um, so we do check in with them once a year um, and at a minimum. And what we're hoping to do is every two or three years go back and relook at the applications and make changes where are necessary because as manufacturing improves, as companies improve, we want to keep raising the bar. We don't want it to be a stagnant thing that once a company gets it, anyone can get it because manufacturing has improved so much that anyone can get the points. So we want to keep raising that bar and pushing companies in the right direction. I love it. I think that's great. It's it's aggressive and it's audacious, but in a way that – that brings out the best in companies and makes them motivated to strive for these standards. I love it. I want to thank you, Stacy and Lauren and Skyler, for being on with us to talk about the Green Good Housekeeping Seal. I want to encourage our listeners, many of whom I know because of seeing your tweets and your activity on our Facebook page, are very social media savvy, to start pushing your favorite consumer brands to seek the Green Good Housekeeping Seal. Uh, the application process is something that can be found uh, on the Green uh, Good Housekeeping website and and start pushing your favorite brands in that direction and look for the green good housekeeping seal when you are purchasing your products it's trustworthy and as i mentioned earlier very scientific and i i trust it myself thank you all for joining us and we'll be here at same time same place next week folks with more go green radio until then have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.